Hey everyone, welcome to the Bike Shop Boyfriend Podcast. This is episode 50. We've done it, we've made it to 50. I can't believe I've stuck with this for this long, off and on. But we made it to 50 episodes, so let's make a banger of an episode. Here we go. I've got uh, 50 episodes underneath my belt for the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dustin. I've been doing this for about two years now and uh, feel like we've, uh, we've, we've gone through some stuff together, as we should say. Um, lots of ups and downs, some, uh, some hiatus silence on my part for, uh, for some of these episodes, and I apologize for that profusely, but trying to get back into the swing of things. First up, it is uh, November 3rd, 2019. I'm looking outside my window here uh, in Winnipeg, Canada, and it is cold. Uh, we have embraced the beginning of the chilly fingers of winter here in the prairies, and uh, we've had some snow. We lost all of our foliage on the trees. We even had a, because of so much snow, we had a last minute flood, which was kind of odd, new. Um, Definitely a climate emergency, I would call it. And uh, things have changed. So uh, in terms of no longer warm days to be ridden, uh, the local cyclocross season has finished. um, And it's now trainer season for a lot of folks. Uh, They are maybe taking a few weeks off in between their last late last late season commitments i'm gonna say and they are now looking to get back into maybe some structured training on trainers and i've gotten a lot of uh dms in uh instagram sorry on instagram on facebook and on twitter um folks asking about smart trainers versus uh, what I'm going to say are dumb trainers. Now, I don't really like to use the word dumb all that much, uh, especially when it regards a product that actually is very still useful in a lot of ways. Uh, But dumb trainers are pretty much the category that are not smart trainers, if you can put that together. It also includes rollers at the moment. Um, There is some rumblings of a smart roller system coming out soon um however i haven't seen any prototypes i've only heard uh rumors of it and it'd be very cool to see what one of those look like um but for the most part dumb trainers are pretty much any type of on the wheel trainer or direct drive trainer um don't see many of those that are in this category by the way um and rollers that don't have smart sensors that uh, could track your cadence, your speed. Um, sorry, no, no, no. They will actually do that, but they won't uh, broadcast or control via third-party applications and software to the trainer to actually give you that variable ride. So these are going to be um, sort of my little discussion of how to shop for maybe a smart trainer versus dumb trainer and which one could be right for you. So there's going to be lots of pros and cons here. So first up, I'm going to start with the dumb trainers. Um, Lots of them have great resistant features. However, they're not 
they without uh, the variable control. So uh, there's no resistance automatically changing when, say, the structure or the workout requires you to go harder, put in a bigger effort, etc. So you will be required to shift your gears on these bikes. Um, when they're set up on the trainer and depending how you look at it, that's either a plus or a minus. Some folks really want that tactile, um, engaged sort of effort when it comes to these trainers. And that's actually a great way to break up the monotony of being on a trainer. Um, and some folks that's a detriment. They just want to have the one gear and set it to forget it and get through the workout to make more use of their time. Um, so like I said, it's a plus minus depending on how you view it. And then also too, big factor to consider is the lower cost of these dumb trainers, quote unquote, uh, makes them a great option for your wallet. Mind you, you will need extra sensors that can talk to smart devices if you are wanting to get that more inclusive interactivity uh, or structured or virtual training that is out there. Um, you will need some external sensors to talk to uh smart devices, I'm going to say, and I'm going to get onto smart devices in just a little second. But my last point here is most of them you'll find are going to be on the wheel based. Now that can be a bit of a, again, plus minus for some one, it keeps the cost down. That's a big one because you can use your existing rear wheel. Uh, however, I will highly recommend you get yourself a designated trainer tire. And I'm not talking about necessarily a cheapy tire that you're willing to like wear out and burn out because it will just due to the properties of outdoor rubber tread, it will wear out very, very quickly. And it does actually uh, leave little bits of uh, rubber boogers, I'm gonna call them, uh, all over walls, ceilings, they get into carpet if you're on a carpeted surface. Uh, they just leave a path of destruction uh, just based on this little bit of rubber that keeps uh, heating up, peeling off, and ending up everywhere. So just keep that in mind uh, when you are looking at one of these do get yourself a designated trainer tire um, your local bike shop or online retailer can definitely help you out with that um, these tires are often a high polyurethane based tire so when they heat up uh, based on the friction of the free uh, of the wheel drum that is making contact with your rear tire it heats up it doesn't wear out it can actually, mine lasted me uh, 15 plus years and uh, just recently actually gave it out to a buddy who uh, just got themselves a trainer and they absolutely love it as well. So that's my view of uh, dumb trainers. Conversely, here we go. Sit down. We're going to have a chat about smart trainers. Smart trainers are often uh, $150 to about $1,500, depending on which market you're in. Uh, and I'm talking about Canadian pricing here. Um, so it could be a little up and down depending where you are, but they're often about that $150 to $1,500 more than a dumb trainer. Now that $1,500 price point is a flagship branded uh, and based smart trainer that has all the bells and whistles, can do left, right power, uh, can tell you certain dynamics of your pedal stroke. Um, it does almost everything except make you dinner, give you a back rub and do your taxes. So just a heads up, that's what you get for that amount. Um, but we are talking pretty much an escalation of technology. So that's what the big price jump is going to be all about. However, you can still find some that are really great value around the $500 to $600 mark. Uh, you have to might search a little far and wide, but um, 
they are out there to be had and those are going to be namely on the wheel version uh, smart trainers so very similar to a dumb trainer however the biggest difference is that they will convey power targets um, sorry power data speed cadence all that good stuff uh, those are the big three um, rarely it will describe pedal stroke or anything like that uh, just because of the limitations of rear wheel trainers they just are unable to do so um, lots of them have the sensors built in on these smart trainers so if you are wanting to get cadence power and speed it's already going to be built in there for you so it's all figured out it's plug and play almost and you're good to go um, but there's always going to be a bit of a calibration depending on the product uh, temperature change um, moving around the product this and that so keep that in mind uh, it's not without its faults so but with on the wheel trainers and even direct drive trainers there's two categories here excuse me um there's going to be some things that you're gonna to have to look out for and do on the regular um the smart trainers talk quote unquote to smart devices that run apps to control the resistance so make sure that you have technology uh meaning a smart device that is ready and able to talk to your smart trainer this is the best way to think about it it's a conversation it's a conversation between your smart trainer and the smart device they talk to one another they control how hard the workout is they control if the virtual terrain changes or the power target itself changes it sends a signal from the smart device a phone a tablet a tv in some cases uh, to your smart trainer to change it variably without your input so that's what makes this smart um, so that's just something to really, really consider that you have the right device. Some people buy, in my experience, uh, a smart trainer and they don't have uh, a tablet or a smartphone or uh, a laptop that is enabled to talk to the smart device. They get very frustrated. They come back to the store, sort of blaming me that we sort of sold them a lemon. Uh, once again, the device is only as smart as the user who uses it. So heads up. This is just total forewarning and making sure you got all the information uh, to go before you buy. Um, and then lastly on this subject, direct drive versus on the wheel. So like I said, there's two categories within smart trainers. Direct drive, meaning you don't need a rear wheel. However, it is connected to your rear uh, derailleur part of your drivetrain. And then other ones are going to be on the wheel. On the wheel is like I say, it's touching your wheel. Uh, direct drive has more instantaneous resistance when feedback changes via the software it, it is communicating with. Hopefully that makes sense. So when, like I said earlier, variables change, meaning either virtual terrain changes or a power target changes, it sends a signal to the rear uh, resistance and that's what escalates up or down and then that's what makes it feel harder or easier either simulating a climb or a power target now this gets a little bit more fun with on the wheel it will give you a greater amount of lag effect uh, meaning it has to go through the rear wheel itself to get through the drivetrain to get to your pedals for you to make it feel like you're going over that resistance in a lot of ways it never makes it feel like you are doing a sprint or especially if you're doing a sprint interval, it never lets you really feel like you're getting on top of that gear effort. Um, 
that could be a huge strike against uh, on-the-wheel trainers for you. However, there's great, great value in that, uh, mainly for the fact that they're often cheaper. Uh, they are using existing, if you have a trainer wheel already, it's you're pretty much good to go. Um, you just pretty much plug in the hemisphered quick release or through axle, um, load it up onto your on the wheel trainer and you are good to go. Uh, biggest thing I can tell you of just as, as an aside, if you are using an on the wheel trainer, do warm up on the trainer for just a few minutes before you actually do a calibration and your subsequent workout. Uh, just to warm up the actual tire, that actually helps tremendously with calibration effect. Uh, if the tire itself is cold, it can give you a little bit of a uh, misnomer type calibration. It's not warmed up, so it doesn't give you a real uh, instantaneous calibration once you do calibrate it, if that all makes sense. Uh, if not, I can uh, send you a DM uh, of how to do it pretty much. Um, but that's just my one little tip there that I've discovered while doing smart trainer stuff. Um, and then the last things are make sure you're hydrated and make sure you have a fan. Uh, those are two things that are not often discussed, uh, when people take on trainer seasons, um, or structured training in an off season type setting. It's one of those things that we take for granted how much uh, outdoor wind keeps you cool. So do invest in a good, good fan that's gonna keep you cool. I highly recommend uh, setting it up a little bit, three quarters, not anything terribly in front of you. Uh, get it a little bit off to the side, either on your left or your right, um, but still aiming it so that way it cools off more your core, um, maybe less than your face. Uh, your core temperature, uh, meaning your torso, aim the fan at that, because that keeping your cool, or sorry, keeping your core nice and cool really helps for uh, surviving some of the workouts that are pretty strenuous. And then hydration, you're gonna be sweating buckets. So that, keep in mind, um, it's a great time to try new hydration mixes, uh, find ones you like, find ones you don't like, find what works, find what doesn't. Um, but then also too, just have fun. Don't take it too seriously that if you don't finish a workout, uh, it's not the end of the world. You got tomorrow hit it tomorrow. Um, there's lots of factors that go into being fatigued on a trainer. It's going to be indoors. You're not moving forward. Um, so buck up. You're going to do great. Uh, that's my little pep talk for you for the off season. Oh, that being said, uh, quick aside, uh, I will be on Zwift uh, a lot this off season doing workouts and group rides for uh, various sponsors. I'll have more announcements on that in future episodes, but that all being said, um, I will be on that platform. So if you are a Zwifter, hit me up. Uh, I'd love to see what you all have going on and follow your rides and this and that. You can follow me at Dustin White. Uh, I often have a sponsor uh, in brackets right after it. Uh, I believe I'm the only Canadian Dustin White on there. Uh, that's D-U-S-T-I-N-W-H-I-T-E. Um, that's something that you can find me on Zwift for. Uh, be great to follow you and actually ride with you whenever you're riding. So look forward to that. That's actually going to be starting uh, later in November. So just keep that in mind. I think that actually covers this segment off uh, quite nicely. So I've sort of been neglecting uh, the podcast just a little bit. 
And uh, this next segment is going to be about the techie bits uh, that I've been noticing uh, far and large, or far and wide, I should be saying, uh, in the cycling industry. And some of them might apply to you, some of them might not, but these are actually just some cool, cool things that uh, I've seen as of late. Um, first up is uh, Wahoo acquired uh, Speedplay pedals and that happened uh, a little while ago and it's super super interesting to me because um, it sort of indicates can we look forward to a power meter pedal uh, coming out from Speedplay slash Wahoo. Um, Wahoo does actually have or did recently purchase um, Pioneer power meters uh, power meter technology uh, in an some form of acquisition there and i'm very curious if they're going to lateral that technology and put it into a speed play pedal form of some sort very very soon um mainly reason why i think about this is because sram uh the component manufacturer recently acquired power tap brand uh from the saris cyclops group and it's very curious because sram already owns quark for their crank-based power. And so it's just a matter of time before uh, SRAM streamlines this little factor. And they actually recently reveal, revealed um, their power tap pedals uh, sort of coming from a weird version of Quark meets uh, power tap. So um, I think they're calling the Quark power tap pedals uh, that as a model, uh, they're going to be known as power taps. They look actually very slick, by the way. Um, so I'm just thinking Wahoo's likely going to be doing the same thing very soon. Conversely, on the same sort of uh, slant, they recently revealed the Wahoo Kicker bike, which is a full on trainer bike that simulates inclines, um, resistance, all sorts of fun stuff there. Uh, it weighs a ton, by the way. Um, I've yet to ride it in person or give it a solid go, but that all being said, the one thing that really, really stood out to me was the adaptability nature of the shifting that is on this drop bar version of the bike. Um, this is something that I'm very uh, going to put it out there now and I'm almost shot calling it. You can see Wahoo maybe, maybe, maybe trying to make an acquisition of a component group company, uh, one that maybe is not doing so hot and or go at it themselves and actually bring a component group to market that allows uh, the user slash rider totally customize how the shifting uh, platform will work uh, for bikes that you would ride outside. I'm just saying it could happen. Uh, if you actually get a chance to take a look at uh, what Wahoo Kicker Bike is, uh, check it out on YouTube. There's lots and lots of uh, cool insights and reviews and uh, sort of unboxings almost as it were. Uh, if you're into that sort of thing, take a when they get to the shifters, take a look at what they're talking about and how they're using it. You'll definitely see that there is a serious uh, potential that they could go into the outdoor riding shifter space uh, very, very soon with maybe their own or a branding partnership with another company uh, to sort of go forward with that. 
Next up is going to be Jiro adding uh, BOA technology to more and more of their product in the coming seasons. They released the uh, Jiro Imperial shoe, uh, one of the most expensive shoes I've ever seen. Uh, is damn damn pricey and it's just really the start look forward to seeing it on helmets and more footwear very very soon uh expected on an empire vr 90 off-road shoe in the to feature in some form uh maybe this uh 2019 2020 cyclocross fall season um the off-road uh, laced up version featured uh in cyclocross first so it wouldn't be a miss if you start seeing uh riders who are sponsored by Jiro to maybe try it out uh in prototype demo forms very soon uh stay tuned to like nerd pages and this and that but i'm already going to call it you're going to see a empire vr90 uh boa lace-up shoe very soon um Jiro is also returning to a full acrylic shell, even under the brim, one of my big things about helmet designs. Um, very, very soon, you're gonna see it on the, I'm gonna totally screw this name up, but it's on the uh, Ageless helmet uh, that was recently shown at Eurobike. Um, under the brim, there's a full acrylic there. It protects the EVA foam uh, from marring up against, uh, you take off your helmet, you set it on a counter, maybe at a cafe. Um, if it's one of those plated steel type uh, counter surfaces there, uh, sometimes that can mar up your helmet. Uh, just even putting it down, I have a basket where I keep my helmets. Uh, they're in bags to protect them a little bit more. But uh, even when I put them in the bags, them bumping up against each other or against the uh, strapping or the buckle uh, under the chin retention uh, system there, that sort of gets marred up into the surface of, uh, of the brim itself. Kind of you know, makes your helmet look worn and cheap and all this and that. Uh, I'm not helmet sponsored at all. So if uh, if I have to shell out for X amount of dollars a year for a new helmet every year, uh, yikes. But that's one of the main reasons why I went with my POC, uh, reasons why I love my cask. Um, so yeah, those are just things that I really, really uh, am excited to see Jiro move forward with uh, in their design of product in the near future. Giant, uh, love the brand, you know me, I'm a giant ambassador for this year. Uh, so full disclosure on that. Uh, they recently unveiled the Kdex uh, brand. It's its own brand. Um, that's one of the things that a lot of people are mistaking here. Um, sort of think of it as, uh, initially I thought it was gonna be the way Bontrager is the accessory brand to Trek. Um, I thought Kdex was going to be the accessory brand to Giant. However, that is not the case. It's its very own standalone product. Um, I'm very curious how this will become a standalone product in the near future. Um, it will be featured on some of the super high-end Giant bikes in 2020. Uh, however, I'm very, very excited where this brand could go. And you're already beginning to see uh, a bit of an acceleration of releasing of product. They've been working on some stuff that is truly exciting. Uh, tires, wheels, uh, and saddles are the big three that they're starting out with. Um, I've yet to get my hands on any of it. Uh, my store did not sign up to become a Kdex cycling uh, distributor for this first round. So hopefully uh, I can twist some arms and whine a lot maybe and get my way, um, but we'll see. And 
likely. Um, I haven't had it confirmed. I just had a lot of uh, no comment with a with a wry smile on their faces uh, when talking to reps uh, that are affiliated with Kdex. If uh, giant or sorry, if Kdex will be producing a helmet line, a footwear line, and a potential clothing and apparel line, um, in almost competition with uh, Giant's own line because Giant is the parent company, Kdex is a standalone but affiliated with Giant. Uh, it's gonna be very curious how those will affect the bottom line. Uh, so from this wry smile that I got from the rep, they are developing uh, a helmet, some footwear, and potential clothing as well. Sort of think of it as uh, Shimano actually owns Pearl Izumi for those of you who didn't know. And they also own Laser. Uh, they acquired Laser a few years ago. Um, so they unveil it amongst their own line. They also own uh, Pro Bike Gear as well. Love that product. Um, they have it all under their own banner. And it's one of those things that um, you could see sort of them giving the funds and development of product and technology to move uh, some interesting innovations forward in that space. So do look forward to a Kdex uh, branded helmet, footwear, and potential clothing line very, very soon. Uh, maybe in time for the Tour de France or even the Giro uh, in May of 2020. Just a heads up, uh, you might see prototypes of it. So recently, and speaking of prototypes and unconfirmed this and that, um, wink, wink, I posted this actually on my social media. It got into a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle with uh, people on the other end, but I have never signed a non-disclosure agreement with uh, brands, so I'm breaking this news as we speak. Um, but Pinarello recently showed off uh, what is believed to be the new Shimano Dura-Ace group set. Uh, it's the rumored and confirmed, actually, uh, wireless version of the group set. However, from the images, um, and you could see how it would be wireless. Uh, they've self-contained a lot of the wiring, so that way they got rid of the very pe uh, peculiar and curiously and precariously, uh, lots of that verbs there, um, wiring that is going from the battery, uh, the rear battery to the rear uh, derailleur. There's a cable there that actually powers the servo. Um, they got rid of that. So that is a big, big thing. Uh, there's no signs of it. Uh, it was actually easily viewable on Chris Froome's bike at the Dauphiné before he crashed out. Um, they did a spotlight on it. And since then, I've tried to dig it up to actually maybe use as a thumbnail for this podcast. Uh, however, I cannot find that thumbnail or that story on uh, the internet. So it's very curious that they took it down because I think a lot of folks saw it immediately. Um, also on Egan Bernal's uh, bike there on his Tour de France bike that he won on, uh, there was some dummy cables actually on one of the bikes uh, that made it look like it was from this current group set that is on there right now. So expect Shimano to make it a big splash flagship item um, that will likely not really be going out the door anytime soon because uh, Shimano 
uh, is still having a lot of supply and uh, product management issues um, plague them. And you're seeing it actually on a lot of the releases for 2020 bike product uh, in the near future. Just a quick aside and side note, a lot more brands are relying on SRAM for their premium models of bike. Uh, due to Shimano's somewhat spotty reliability to fulfill these orders, it's still very interesting that SRAM has gone all in on ETAP as their flagship and, uh, sorry, the red and the forest lineup. Uh, I'd still really much like to see a cable option for the force level, uh, their second tier level uh, of group set from the higher up there. Um, that's just something I think a lot of fans of uh, Dirt Drop Bar and Cyclocross and also uh, those who do not have unlimited sources of revenue uh, be able to afford some really, really nice stuff. But quick question uh, before I end this segment, uh, what do you would sorry, what would you like to see uh, come out in 2020? I want to know. Hit me up in the comments below wherever you're enjoying this podcast. Um, I do get notifications and I can read them and respond. So very, very curious. I want to maybe put those, uh, comments into the next podcast episode. So a little interactivity, let's do this. So I kind of cut myself off from the previous segment before I started talking about this. Um, and I'm kind of going into the overtime of, uh, I try and keep, if you haven't noticed the last few uh, episodes of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast are around the 20, 25 minute mark. Um, we're kind of going a little over that with this episode. It's episode 50. So I just want to uh, quickly mention that uh, being a giant ambassador, I do get to try out some pretty cool stuff from time to time a little on the down low, um, or I just get some fun swag from uh, Giant themselves. But uh, Giant Bicycle Canada recently sent me the uh, all new redesigned uh, Giant Gavia tubeless system course zeros um, that are, these are race tubeless tires actually. And uh, they are 700 by 25C uh, with a race shield system built in here. Uh, so the Kevlar is going from bead to bead. So it should be pretty slick in that regard. These are a bit of a supposed upgrade from the previous generation of Gavias that they put out. Um, these were somewhat tested uh, prototype form by uh, the CCC team and uh, the CCC live team, uh, men's and women's pro teams there, um, and given a lot of feedback. And it is rumored that uh, Greg Van Ameret actually rode on a set of these tubeless in prototype form um, last uh, Tour of Flanders there just to protect them against any kind of punctures. Um, so I'm very curious how these go. Uh, 25C is often uh, just a little smaller than what I normally ride. And I haven't had a chance uh, to mount these onto my uh, giant SLR disc wheels uh, on my giant TCR. Lots of initials here, I guess, for bikes. Um, I haven't had a chance to mount these up just yet because when I received them, we got hit with a whole bunch of snow and then it melted 
and uh, just I don't want to ride outside at all right now. Uh, in fact, I'm on two, uh, seven, seven weeks now of not riding. Um, this is my hiatus time of year, so I got these a little late in my season to actually mount them, give them a try, and all this and that. However, I am keeping them out of sunlight, um, keeping them pristine, uh, very eager to mount these onto uh, my bike for the springtime. Uh, Giant heard that I was a little uh, not pleased with my uh, Michelin power endurance clinchers that I have on the bike at the moment. Um, they just ride really weird. I don't like them. So they sent me these tires, uh, these tubeless tires for me to try, get some response from them. Uh, and I'm going to be giving you guys a springtime review because I'm going to, this is motivation for me to ride road uh, in the springtime once the snow goes and also see how uh, it's all going to set up. And that's going to sort of lead me into, uh, it's going to be hard for me to share the audio with mounting a tubeless setup without maybe showing a visual side. And that sort of leads me into, uh, I'm going to be likely doing a uh, vlog slash uh, YouTube channel uh, very, very soon, even maybe a TikTok. Uh, I already have a TikTok. So if you are looking for me on that platform uh, for TikTok, it's Dustin De D-U-S-T-I-N-W-H-T. Uh, if you want to follow uh, shenanigans and weird facial expressions set to music, that's where you can find that kind of content. Uh, it will divert slowly into uh, modifications that I'm doing to the giant TCR Advanced Disc uh, Pro bike that I have. Um, namely, the, the tires are going to be the biggest thing that I'm going to be doing to the bike. Um, I've also got some... Uh, giant recon lights that actually were just released. We just got them here uh, in Canada. I am super stoked actually about these lights. Um, they are super, super bright. They're the 200 lumen option. And um, as I keep saying, they are super, super bright. I'm very excited to actually try those out very soon. Um, once I start riding back outside. And then lastly, uh, I am going to be... Uh, revisiting and revamping uh maybe the bike that i've owned the longest uh the giant bowery that i own uh it's a single speed bike with uh, a very much uh tcr road racing uh sort of geometry to it i absolutely love this aluminum bike um yes it is aluminum it can ride a little rough but this year uh two big things i'm going back to drop bar i bought the bike as a drop bar bike uh, single speed for commuting i'm gonna be repurposing it for that intended purpose um and i'm very much gonna be simulating the geometry fit that i have on uh, the road bike for doing longer distances onto the single speed bike so that way i can move a little quicker about the city i want to use my car less in 2020 um so this is going to be that big step forward towards that and uh, so the lights are definitely gonna come into play. And then also too, I'm gonna be rebuilding the wheels as well. So I'm gonna be documenting that and uh, <laughs> ripping the audio maybe off of it um, just to show you uh, folks and you, the listener, uh, what goes into building a wheel. Uh, likely gonna be bringing former guest of the podcast, Camo, back uh, to help me build up those wheels. Um, he's back at the shop now. 
Uh, haven't seen him really since uh, he's come back to the shop, but uh, very much looking forward to um, his insights and knowledge building up a set of wheels again. He actually built up the wheels that are on there now. Uh, it's just that they're a deep dish aluminum wheel. They ride a little harsh too. They are, um, we get a lot of side crosswinds here uh, in Winnipeg. So whenever I get caught out in a open area and I get a big block crosswind, uh, you definitely get your wheel bounced a little bit. So it doesn't cut through the wind as intended. Uh, they're not a carbon wheel, so they don't have that technology uh, built into it to slice through wind. So I'm going to go with uh, a more traditional looked uh, box style rim, maybe uh, an H plus sun aluminum wheel uh, rim, sorry, or a Mavic uh, Open Pro. Uh, just go classic and uh, mount up some tires onto that and uh, Get that bad boy out on the road again i really missed that bike i didn't ride it at all this year uh much to my dismay um and that's all on me i should have done this sooner but um yeah that's gonna be my big winter project is getting that bike all said and done uh additionally i think uh i'll, I'll have an announcement about gravel stuff uh in a coming podcast uh just waiting for confirmation from sponsors um, what's all going on on that front. So hopefully that will be announced soon enough. Uh, I've chatted your ears off. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 50 of the bike shop boyfriend podcast. Um, I wish I had some type of giveaway for you. Uh, however, I haven't uh, really been on top of that. So episode, uh, 81 is actually going to be uh, the first giveaway episode, I think, of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast. Mark it down. Um, I'm going to figure something out in between now and then uh, to give away. And uh, let me know what it is that you would like for me to give away. Uh, I just want to create some more uh, more engagement slash fan interaction uh, with and listener interaction with the podcast. So that all being said... Um, Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of the Bike Shop Boyfriend podcast. Have a good one.